is Monday. Are you ready? Welcome to another edition of Almond Delights Reading Corner. Come on in and relax your spirit, relax your body, relax your mind as we get into this book. The next book we'll be reading is Boys Like Me by yours truly, James Caldwell. Head on over to Amazon.com and download your books today. Please support our authors. Now sit back. As we get into this book with the Almond Delights. Are you ready? Shh. Let's read. Good evening and welcome to another episode of Almond Delights Reading Corner, where tonight we will continue reading Boys Like Me by yours truly, Mr. James Caldwell, a.k.a. Spiller Boy TV here on the YC. Um, so to give you a short recap of what happened last week, honey, we know that James couldn't take no more of the shenanigans from his family. Baby, he was cussing out grandma, cousins. <laughs> he was cussing out everybody and did not care, not one bit, okay? <laughs> he was ready to go outside and fight. So we know that's where he ended. Um, He gave a tribute to his dad is not his biological dad, but he was with his mom and Baby, he took care of James, so he gave him his homage or whatnot. And so we ended on chapter four last week. So we're going to start on chapter five last um, tonight. I hope you guys have your books. If you have not, why download it on Amazon.com? James Colwell. He has five. Uh, he has five books in um, under his belt as an author. But we're going to start on chapter 5 tonight. Y'all know I'm playing, honey. We got to jump right into it. Hope y'all having a good night. Home away from home. <clears throat> I've always had another place that I could go to to have a break from some of the drama at my mom's house. Hold on. Disclaimer. There would be some choice words in this book that Miss Almond Brown wouldn't say. But I'm going to give you this book in its entirety because I want to give you all of the words of the author. So, yeah. <laughs> Clutch your pearls right now because I already know they're coming. <laughs> I've always had another place that I can go to to have a break from some of the drama at my mom's house and my grandma's place. And that was with my godparents. No matter where they lived, I've always spent time with my godparents and siblings. I have two god sisters and one god brother. They are actually a lot older than me, but the age difference never really got in the way. I was always closer with my god sisters. When they lived across town, my sisters would come over to my side of town on the bus and pick me up. I would go back with them and stay all weekend and they would bring me back on Sunday. It was some of the best times. By the time I turned seven, my godparents and siblings had moved to my side of town, and I was literally walking distance from them. 
I spent a lot of time with them in my youth. I always connected the most with my youngest god sister, who happened to be 10 years older than me. She was and can still be one of the funniest people you have ever met. She was so silly and willing to play games with me, and we would spend a lot of time watching television and cracking up at the silliest things. We have actually done this in our adult life as well. We both still have wicked senses of humor and get tickled at some of the same things. We would break into laughter until we literally would be dropping tears. My older god sister is more serious being. She always seemed to be moving on the correct rate to be an adult. She wasn't what I would call stuffy, but the fact is, she was a lot older and that's what she portrayed, a big sister. I always looked up to her more and would rely more on her judgment for things that mattered. She played games and such too, but it was just different. Even our conversation topics were different than my younger god sister. And I know for a fact, now as an adult, I have a more productive relationship with her. One example of that is my older god sister and I never had a shouting match or disagreement that has gone to a level that wasn't becoming. We have a mutual respect for each other. She doesn't disrespect me and I've never disrespected her. The same stood true for my god brother. We have never actually gotten into any kind of altercation. He is actually older than all of us and he is always doing his own thing. The one thing we did share in common is a love for music. So we could talk extensively in that area. It used to tickle him how much I know about music, artists, and the maturity of my music choices. Things that I wasn't sure on, he would clear up for me. He had the whole DJing thing going. He would have all the latest music, and sometimes he played things for me before the radio was even playing them. Those are some really good memories that I have from my godbrother. Those times were cool, especially because I didn't have any positive interactions with my other closely related male cousins. We only had one uncomfortable interaction when I was about nine years old, and as I've gotten older and reflect back on the memory, I realized that the situation was orchestrated by my youngest god sister with malicious intent. Both god sisters and myself were sitting in my god brother's bedroom along with him and his girlfriend at the time. My youngest god sister decided to bring up an awkward subject. She just out of the blue asked my god brother why he didn't spend more time with me and take me places with him. He pretty much tried to dance around her questions, but she wouldn't let up until he finally responded. Why? I can't take him anywhere. It's like having one of your sisters with you. If he acted more like a boy, but nah, I ain't taking him nowhere with me. That comment hurt my feelings a bit, but it didn't really matter because I never longed to go anywhere with him anyway. But at that young age, it wasn't a good feeling to realize that someone felt that way about you. And how rude is it to speak about a person in that way, just as if they were not in the room? The truth of the matter is, he was crude, but my, sis my god sister already had some idea of what her brother's feelings were on the subject, and she didn't have to force his dialogue in my presence. But this episode, along with many more to follow, were orchestrated to be hurtful to me. As far as the relationship between my god brother and I, it did suffer. Our interactions became very short and meaningless, and they still are. 
It is mostly, hello, and how have you been, and not much more than that. My youngest god sister was a bit of what I would call a huntress. She would set her sights out on people and then would attack. It was normal behavior in that house for her. Her older sister was usually the target, and as the years went on, it was me who started to catch her wrath. It was weird to me to see her actions because it would come out of nowhere. Everything would be going great, and she would just switch up midstream, and all hell would break loose. When she was showing off for other people, I would just chalk it up to her being ridiculous and acting like others in my immediate family. But when she would go into those strange behaviors for no background reason at all, I realized at an early age that there were some issues there, and they were all hers. She would say to me a lot of times, you're always up here trying to take my spot. And boy, the mistreatment would start. By the time I was eight, the ugly F word had entered her arsenal of insults. How could this be? I left home trying to get away from this. How could it have followed me here too? It got so bad that I didn't even have to go up to their house for the abuse to go on. I would speak on the phone just about every day to my godmother. And when times were good, I spent hours on the phone laughing and talking with my youngest god sister. She didn't have many friends, and the few she had didn't spend much time with her. When she would be in her moods, and I would call to the house to speak to my godmother, as soon as she heard my voice, she would hang up on me. This is before the days of caller ID. Sometimes it took up to three days to get my godmother on the phone. By the time I was 10, the telephone attacks had become brutal. Obscenities and homosexual innuendos was being blurted into the phone receiver before the hang-up took place. At this time, she was 20 and had a child of her own. Her behavior was completely inappropriate. There were things that were said that I had no idea what the relevance was, but I was sure the meaning wasn't anything good. One of her favorite things to say was, you nasty fag. You just want someone to stick up your nasty butt. I didn't have a clue what the significance of that action was. Strangely enough, my godmother was aware of the situation and she did nothing. I could never understand why she didn't intervene. I knew she wouldn't choose sides to keep from building on the apparent jealousy issues. Very strange, I'd say, being as though one of us was an adult. It used to go through me like a sharp knife when my godmom would say, Y'all need to stop that. Meanwhile, she knew who was at the center of the problem and watched the whole situation transpire. Though I understood why she chose her position in our ongoing feud, and I never agreed with her choices, dealing in truth and calling my god sister out on acting her age, I believe would have brought more positive outcomes. She was never held accountable for her bad behavior. And eventually, when I was 15, we did have a physical altercation, and I could tell that my godmother was a little pissed at me. It was a ridiculous dynamic. A 25-year-old woman with two children physically fighting with a 15-year-old child makes no sense. My mother wasn't very happy with that little situation, and I couldn't understand at the time why she took such offense to it. But once I became a parent and I thought back at this, I get it. The truth of the matter is, my god sister is a convenient homophobe. 
The only way I can explain it is when it comes to me, she can't help herself from wanting to be in my presence. But there is that one piece of my being that basically makes her cringe. I know how that sounds. It sounds crazy. And that's because it is. I've learned over the years to pretty much ignore a lot of her behavior because quite honestly, I don't think she really knows how foolish a lot of her actions are. Some things I believe she could stand to really talk to someone about, it goes a lot deeper than me. From conversations that we have had in the past few years, I venture to say that she at one time was bit by the down low bug and as, young, and as a young woman, she wasn't about to pull herself out of that space of hurt. And I truly believe, even though I had nothing to do with me, per it had nothing to do with me personally, that I have been a target to catch the backlash of her shame and anger for all these years. I remember the actual shift in her treatment of me was at a time when she had moved out on her own and things didn't go quite right. And she ended up moving back home. And when she returned, she had this new love-hate thing for me. She has apologized for some of her actions in the last few years. But within that time, she has shown other signs that her homophobia of convenience is still alive and thriving. She came clean on breaking toys of mine. When I was around eight or so, every time I would spend the weekend with, with my godmom, with them, my godmom would give me $5. When I got there and on that Friday, I would immediately go down to the bottom of the hill and buy comic books and a bat and ball. My godmom would always fuss about the waste of money because the bat and ball would always break by midday on Saturday. And I would always tell her, it's nothing that I'm doing. I had them at home too and they didn't break. Well, my god sister admitted to me in 2011 that when I was sleeping, she used to take a razor blade and slice the rubber band that held them together. And the next day after a few rounds, it would break. Oh, she evil. Okay. <laughs> she said she didn't think boys should be playing with that. Still, in 2011, she couldn't explain what was the issue with the paddle, a ball, or, and a rubber band. It's the same basis as ping pong. This kind of vindictive behavior being targeted by an 18 or 19-year-old mother to someone else's 8-year-old child, I feel is therapy worthy. There were other strange things, such as when teaching each of three children about stranger danger, I have witnessed her telling the children that, you better not get snatched because a man will snatch you and do it to you in your butt. Each boy had the same reaction. They didn't know what the hell she meant. I'm sure the comment was for my benefit, but all it did was water the seed that I already had growing that told me she could stand a little couch time. <laughs> Eventually, this ongoing foolishness resulted in a separation of me and my extended family. Shortly after my high school graduation, an episode took place and I vowed to my godmother that she, if she would continue to allow her to carry on like she had in the past, that would, I would just not come to their house. To which she responded, you're just upset right now, James Colwell. I left that day and never stepped foot back in their house for almost the next four years. I wasn't mad at my godmother. I had just had enough and I just didn't call and I would see her whenever I would run into her at a family function or bingo. Bingo. <laughs> 
I had adapted so thoroughly to my life without my extended family that my mother literally had to make me invite my godmother to my graduation ceremony from Clarissa's School of Fashion. My mom kept asking, are you sure you're not mad at her? I assured her I wasn't. And I did extend an invitation and my godmother did show up. Eventually, we came back together as a family and things were pretty smooth for a long time, though it was due to me ignoring a lot of things as usual. Eventually, another separation took place for about four years in 2007. And in that time, my godfather passed away. I was literally told of his death by another family member over the phone as I got off work and stood in the parking lot. And he had already been dead for two days. Once I ended up joining my church in 2011 and began counsel with my pastor, she immediately addressed my family relationships and their importance. She went straight for the passing of my godfather and how it was handled. I agreed to the waste of energy that was being used and mended the fence with my extended family. Yet again, it has proven to be an interesting farce where it concerns my youngest god sister and her eldest son. Out of nowhere, her son decided to go into a rant and stated that I am not his uncle, nor am I her brother or godbrother. I am just their cousin. This blindsided me. Naturally, this child has referred to me all of his life as his uncle. And now after 30 plus years, he was carrying on and basically denouncing me with such venom that it didn't make any sense. This all took place while my god sister and I were on the phone. He knew that I was on the other end and I could hear him. And trust me, his comments were made with definite and intentional venom. He and I never had a crossword before that day. I didn't understand. But immediately after the initial shock, I didn't care to understand. Several weeks later, my god sister told me her son sent a message of apology, to which I declined and told her to tell my cousin that we are cool, just like that, and the bell can't be unrung. Then there are times when my god sister is just plain ignorant while all along carrying the intention to be offensive. Such as making comments like, oh, I thought all gay people love to suck dick. Okay. <laughs> Over the years, I have explained to her that that is absolutely not true. But she would bring it up again and again and say, you know, I don't know. You got to explain that stuff to me. The last time she tried this passive aggressive tactic, I attacked back just as nonchalantly and asked her, do all females smell like fish a few days a month? Of course, she became very offended and defensive, to which I gave her a flighty act right back to her and said, you know, I don't know. I thought y'all did. She replied, you know better than that. I just shrugged my shoulders. It really is disturbing how you can have such issues with a lifestyle and the people in it, but can't help yourself from throwing yourself into their space. Every time the Logo Channel runs a Noah's Ark marathon, she is glued to the television set. Why does she even subscribe to Logo? She pays money monthly to have access to that channel. Again, that's the road leading to a straitjacket. It really is something to witness how a person will play both sides of the fence, literally 
She had to be one of the biggest fans when I released my Love and Topaz series of books in 2011-2012. She can speak to you about the characters maybe better than me. Due to the fact that she had read all three books multiple times. She has lent her books to other people on the job to read. And she is always talking about Topaz like he is a real person and arguing with me about plot decisions that I've made. To the point that I would tease her by calling her the woman from Stephen King's misery novel. novel. And guess what? That broad was truly cuckoo for Coco Puffs. <laughs> there is no disguising the fact that the Topaz character is a 16-year-old openly gay male and his interaction with other characters in the books are in an almost mirror image to my interaction with her over the years. She has such compassion for the fictional character that it is almost disturbing. More disturbing is the fun that we have had that we have when none of the, the crazy is in the picture. And I believe that is why I have always tried to work out the relationship. But it just gets to a point where I'm not going to sacrifice who I am for any relationship. And I won't be a punching bag for anyone, no matter how much they claim they're not punching me. Comments like, oh, I like you so much better with your walk with Christ. And when I addressed the fact that I found that offensive, she played the game and swore, oh no, you're taking it the wrong way. But after the instance, she would continue to make that comment and, would just, and I would just ignore her. Then one day she said it in the presence of another person who flat out asked her, are you serious? That wasn't a nice thing to say to anyone. She then proceeded to convince that person that they took it the wrong way as well. The visitor told her she could explain it in any way that she wants, but it sounds like you're saying you like him now that he goes to church and you didn't like him before. And I told the visitor, I told her the same thing. Later that day, my god sister tried to flip the script and said that the visitor was a troublemaker and she didn't want to be in the presence of her again because heaven is her goal and people like that were not of God. I just laughed and thought to myself, there goes that crazy rearing its ugly head again. Our last episode was basically when I decided to do this book. She got upset and told me it was not necessary and I needed to be writing more Topaz books. She then asked me if I was going to put her in the book. And I said, are you kidding? <laughs> you play a part in a large portion of my life. She didn't tell me at that time, Shaft. If there's anything you feel that I've ever done to you, I'm really sorry. Mm -hmm. I said, uh, okay. I laughed and said, don't worry about it because ultimately whatever you did was what you wanted. Shortly after that, she stopped speaking to me. <laughs> Hilarious. And scene. That was chapter five. We're going to take a brief intermission and come right back. Don't go nowhere. <laughs> It's Monday. Are you ready? Welcome to another edition of Almond Delights Reading Corner. Come on in and relax your spirit, relax your body, relax your mind as we get into this book. The next book we'll be reading is Boys Like Me by yours truly, 
James Caldwell. Head on over to Amazon.com and download your books today. Please support our authors. Now sit back as we get into this book with the Almond Delights. Are you ready? Let's read. Baby. <laughs> I was shook it. <laughs> but we are back. We're going to start with chapter six of Boys Like Me <laughs> by James Cowell. Chapter six, Death of an Icon. I've had the distinct pleasure of coming into direct contact with my own personal icon. He was a strange man, a creative man, a stern man, a giving man, a family man, and most important of all, he was my godfather. His name was James George, which as a child I always thought was a unique as unique as he was, he had two first names. My godfather was a very quiet person who pulled no punches. He was brutally honest most times. He took no crap from anyone and he didn't have friends and didn't make friends easy. Over the years, he would open up to me to explain why he was the way he was and why his thought process was the way it was. The thing that stood out is that my godfather had no relationship with any of his family. He didn't like to go into details about it, but what I gathered is his childhood wasn't the best, and he was not a very forgiving person at all. <clears throat> he believed what people say and do their truth, and you need to listen to people when they are speaking and take them for their word. I remember him saying to my godmother one day, Helen, you need to pay attention to what people say and believe that. That is what they mean, period. That comment stayed with me all these years, and my godfather was absolutely correct. It is your best interest to take people at their word. Another thing my godfather would share with me was the friendship he shared with my mom. He would always say how much he liked her because she was different than the rest of my family. He would say that she was genuine and the rest of my family wasn't. As the years strolled by, I would find that once again, Jim George was absolutely correct. My godfather was a very giving man if he cared about you or believed in you. He loved me before I was even born, so much so that he gave me his first name and my mom agreed. It is such a special honor to carry his name because he never had any paternal children of his own. He was married to my mom's cousin and that is how I got my godmother. My mom always says, it was natural that Helen would be your godmother. She's Jimmy's wife. And she has been a damn good godmother. The funny, the funny thing is that my godmother's sister, who is naturally our cousin as well, I refer to her as Aunt Barb, happened to have a closer relationship with my mom. They hung out together, whereas my godmother hung out with my mother's sister. They're closer in age. Aunt Barb would always tell my mom and my godmom whenever she got a chance, 
He should have been my godchild. I'm the one that was with her through the whole pregnancy, running back and forth to the hospital. I remember her saying that as far back as I can remember. She wouldn't let it go. So I would venture to say that decision my mom made hurt Aunt Bard's feelings. My mom has apologized a ton of times for that. And once I became of age and understood what it was about, I always made sure to tell my Aunt Barb how I felt about her. Aunt Barb was an absolute favorite of mine. She was so much fun and always had a unique way of expressing herself. She was a very petite woman with naturally, naturally red hair and freckles and an extensive vocabulary of cuss words. Oh boy, did she know how to cuss a person out and she didn't mind doing it. She passed away a few years before my godfather and I miss her like crazy. My godfather was the most introverted person that I have ever met. That's why that man didn't use 10 words in a day sometimes. He was also one of the most talented people that I have ever come in contact with. My godfather was a very skilled artist. He watched television and he drew pictures of women who always appeared to be strong. A lot of pictures remind me of gorgeous African-American Amazons. Okay. I am very sad that I never asked him for any of those drawings. I don't know what my godmother did with them. There had to be thousands of them. I do have a huge backdrop that he painted for a competition that I took part in and the easel he built from scratch to accommodate the backdrop. And I, and I have all of the lessons and tips that over the years he gave me. My godfather realized early on that I had artistic talent and he jumped right into action with teaching me the proper way to sketch and the importance of proportion and proper shading, etc. Those are skills that I use almost every day of my life and memories that no one can ta ever take away. Could he be a little intimidating at times? Sure he could. But it was more of a thing for me of not wanting to disappoint him. The one thing that sticks out of my mind that defines solely how my godfather was and what he felt about me is this one particular day when I was visiting. My godmother and I were playing backgammon and discussing different things that were, that were going on with me. And I was in my early 20s at this point and owned my own home. I revealed to her that I was very uncomfortable with the fact that I had never had a conversation with my godfather about my sexuality. And I had no clue on his feelings about it. I told her that I had talked to my dad about it. And he had no problem with it and laughed at me for thinking that he would have a problem. We had moved on to a completely different subject when my godfather came downstairs and went into the kitchen. My godmother got up and went into the china closet that sat in the dining room where we were. I paid her no attention. Nothing was out of the ordinary. She sat back down and continued playing. As my godfather walked back through the dining room to go back upstairs, she stopped him and said, Jimmy? He turned around and approached the table. She laid a promo picture of me in full drag on the table in front of him and said, Do you know who that is? I was mortified. I was worried about the sexuality issue and now she has thrown the drag issue on top of it. I was just horrified. He picked the picture up without flinching and said, Helen, are you serious? What would make you think that I don't know my godson when I see him? That boy is named after me. I was shocked, but I felt relieved. He went on. He's good at whatever he tries, and that's what always counted. 
He took his items that he had gathered from the kitchen and went upstairs and the subject of sexuality was never brought up between us again. My godfather passed away when I was in my mid-thirties, leaving a void that no other person can fill. He was nothing less than the icon in my life. And that's the end of chapter six, y'all. That is the end of chapter six. Now, I don't want to read the next chapter so we can stay on two chapters a week, but I know how y'all get. So, I'm going to save chapter seven for next. <laughs> I'm going to save chapter eight for next week because it's a different part of the book. So, that concludes our week. Our read this week. And I know it was kind of short, but y'all already know. So, this is the... Um, this is the portion of the read where I invite you guys, if you would like to come up and we can discuss what we've read, what you guys heard, if you have any questions. But, um, yes. And so until if one, anyone wants to come up, you can hit the link. You don't have to show your face. Uh, yeah, you don't have to show your face or, or you can stay in the chat and we'll just discuss there. Um, so we see that the cousin... One well, no, of the god sister, the youngest god sister, honey. She, she was an old mean little heifer. <laughs> she trying to start stuff with this man, like just trying to see, I guess, how other people felt about him by saying little slick stuff uh, about him around other people. And that's a shame that, yeah, his god brother felt some type of way about him, but until she brought it out and said something, he never really acted on it. You know what I'm saying? Although James never really wanted to go with him anywhere anyways. So he didn't see that as a problem until the God sister pointed it out or whatever. But it's, I think it's sad that your family or extended family, whoever it is, has to hide how they really feel about you um, when they're around other people. So it's almost like in secret. Oh, I know how you are. I'm a love on you in secret. But when we get around other people, then, you know, it's like they want to they want to be shady and they want to be nasty. And it, it sucks when you're different because those are the words he used in his book that you're did when you're different, that people feel that way about you. Uh, Jada said she was miserable with herself. That's what that cousin was. She wasn't just toxic to him, but you see how she spoke on the lady at the church or wherever they were. <laughs> She's like, oh, you are right, honey. Listen, it is, it's a shame. It's a shame people can learn to hate and perfect their hatred rather than embrace people in love. Absolutely. And hate is, like you said, it's a learned behavior because we don't come in this world hating people. We don't come in this world hating people. That's something that we pick up on, like how uh, at the table when they start saying little nasty stuff and talking about him like he wasn't even there. So the kids, they hear that. And then that's ingrained in them. And then adults, even adults. And it's sad to say that it's not even the children that can learn that and pick up on it. Because it's some adults that were not raised that way. But then they get around people and they they take that in. Because now it's like I want to fit in. So therefore I'm going to be nasty to people. Because that's what my friends are doing. No. Peer pressure is not just for children. It's not just for our children, honey, because it's some of y'all adults and not y'all that's listening, but I'm just saying it's adults out there <laughs> that allow themselves to be peer pressure. And I'm going to say allow because at a certain age, 
you make the decision on what you what you take in, what you internalize, and what you allow to be spewed out to someone else. So it mm-mm. you allowed that stuff in, and so just how it came in, you spewed it out. When they're always picking and always with a mean and messy outlook on someone, then they're usually miserable with themselves. Absolutely. It's something that they see in themselves or it's something that they may see in another person that they're, um, they're jealous of. Ugh, and jealousy, jealous is, oh, I can't stand that because it's, it's such a watered down word nowadays, being jealous or being a hater. It's so watered down, but in essence, that can be the thing, you know, you're jealous of someone because of a gift that they have that you don't have and you don't mind showing your gift or expressing something. You don't mind expressing yourself and they don't see that in themselves. So now it's like they got to come out and they got to dog somebody else about um, the way they're able to express themselves. Yeah, they pick on people to fit in with the group because they don't feel uh, what the group they don't want the group to notice anything in them that they feel insecure about. Insecurity, honey, that's oof. That's a hard, that's a, a hard thing to hide when it becomes like it, it just, it festers and festers within you. And then you start to show your insecurities. So some people try to hide their insecurities or they try to cover it up or they try to mask it, honey. But what, if it's in you, it's going to come out you. So you have to work on that. Once you, you're in denial about your insecurities, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. So some people have to put a mirror up to your face and say, here, this is how you are. Uh, this is what we see. And until you um, are in agreement with that and you become you, you get out of that denial state, it's never going to get better. But you can overcome insecurity. You really can. I think she was jealous of James's shine. He's personal. His personality. Is, yes. Listen, and we all know him now, but just even reading in the book from the age and when he was eight years old, seven years old, nine years old, 15 years old, because we've seen that part of him so far. Um, he does not mind <laughs> when he got to a point where he was like, oh, heck no, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. And he started cussing folk out, you know, his his personality. He can walk in the room and it, it, it like it changes the atmosphere because the people already feel some type of way about them you know and that can be something that happens with you as well with us as well our personalities can be so big that we don't even have to open up our mouth we walk into the room it's just like people flock to you you know and it's, that's the light that we talk about when people flock to your personality it's just like they say something about you that you don't even have to open up your mouth for people to see that so don't don't ever let nobody dim your lights because they feel like you're too big. Like the uh what was that? Was that the God sister? You you trying to take my shine or you trying to take my spot? What? You belong in this family, but I'm also a part of the family. So why am I trying to take your spot when we're all in this together? It is, but it's so true. Facts, if it's in you, it's gonna come out to you. It's better to fix those things or embrace those things, one of the two, so that you can become happy and progressive with yourself. Absolutely. You have to fix self. Love self. Because if he if James went around only um thinking about the way his mother how his mother felt about him in the beginning, wanting him to go to school for business, and she didn't want to see that side of him. If he would have held on to the way she wanted him to be. He would never be Spilly Boy TV. He would never be um, Milan Treasure. He would that would never be him if he only looked. If he only held on to the way his mother 
saw him, you know, so facts don't ever let anyone dim your light. Absolutely. Absolutely. You always hold on to your light, even in your darkest times. Hold on to your light. <laughs> hold on to your light. Don't ever let nobody dim it. Don't ever let nobody tell you that you're too different to be different. I hope that makes sense because some people might say, oh, you know, you too far left field because you're not like them. Of course, you're different. I don't care if I'm too. How can I be too different? <laughs> I'm me. You, you. Of course, we're going to be different. But some people, they can't. They don't like that. Like it's and I hate to say it like this, but, you know, it's just some people say, oh, you only hang around ugly people so you can shine. You only go out all your friends ugly and, you know, you you look better than all of your friends so you can get the shine. To me, if that is the case, that's a level of insecurity when you feel like you have to look better than everybody else around you in order for you to be noticed. That is a level of insecurity, honey. And that is the devil. <laughs> that is the devil, honey. And the truth ain't in it because you can be so beautiful and still ugly on the inside. You so beautiful to your ugly, honey. You got to peel back those layers and you're still ugly. Every layer that you peel back. Yeah, your skin beautiful, but you're ugly on the inside. Yeah, your face pretty, but you're ugly on the inside. Yeah, you handsome, honey. You got the beard going on. You got all this going on about yourself. But you ugly on the inside because your mindset is telling you that you are so much better than everybody else. If somebody thinks that about you, let them think that. If you think I'm better than you, then that's your problem. That's your business. Okay, yes. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> exactly. How does my different bother you? How does it bother you? Why does it bother you is the question. Why does my different bother you? Is it going to pull? And I say, is it going to pull any skin off of your back? Is it going to hurt you for me to be different? No matter how loving and nice you can be to a person, sometimes they refuse to let go of hate and jealousy. Yes, because that's, it's in them. Sometimes you have to love the hell out of people. Literally, the hell out of people because that's what they were raised up in chaos. They were raised up in hell. They were raised up in those circumstances where you feel like it's just like that's what's going to be in them when they get older. And they don't know nowhere else to be because that's all they've seen. So you as a person, especially if you know that about somebody and you know their upbringing, why would you add fuel to the fire? You know, some people just add on to it. They just come into their life. They, oh, I saw how you were raised up, but you don't try to change it. You don't try to be that better part of a person, especially if that's not how you are. Sometimes the things you feel are or are stressed about people are saying, um, Sometimes the things you feel you are or are stressed about, people saying you are, are irrelevant. Exactly. Sometimes those folks are intimidated by you and your potential. Girl, you better say that. Focus on impressing yourself and not everybody else. Once you make you happy, uh, like RuPaul say, if, um, how he said it. If you ain't gonna love yourself, well, if you don't love you, how the hell you gonna love somebody else? Something like that, child. Y'all already know. But love yourself. <laughs> Love you first, and then it'll be easier for you to give it away. It'll be easier for you to give it away, you know. So, and then the the love that his Godfather gave him without even opening up his mouth—that's the thing about walking into a place and nobody, uh, and you know, he didn't have to say anything. Although James questioned whether or not his Godfather knew, 
He knew, but he still allowed him to be him. He did not stifle that because he knew how James looked up to him. And, you know, at, at that point, James was kind of, he was hiding it from his godfather. And that was a, um, you know, he was a big influence in his life, but he already knew. You know what I'm saying? So, you, and they say love is an action word, but some people don't know how to show it. They don't know how to show it physically or verbally. They don't know how to show it, but you know they love you. But inside of you, you like, well, he never hugged me or she never hugged me. She never said it. But when his godmom set the picture down and he was like, child, you don't think I know my godson? He got my name. Of course I do. And that was that was the step of approval that James needed just by him saying that. And it was just, that was it. You know, sometimes we, we get so worked up in our mind about a conversation that we want to have with somebody that we overthink it. So James overthought that whole conversation of him having the conversation about his sexuality with his godfather when he didn't even have to have it. He already knew. He already knew. And he accepted it without having to tell him that. So James was able to then jump over that hurdle and still and continue to walk in his truth. Yes, honey, walking into a place and space of love. Yes. Yes, you have got to love them like never before. My old job, I purposely sought out, purposely sought out kids that I knew had issues at home and loved them like they were mine. That is awesome. Because some people don't, they don't have that. Even adults, there's some adults that don't have the love. They don't know how to love because they've never been shown love. And then when they see what they know to be loved because other people have told, told them about it, it's like, well, dang, I've never gotten that. So now it is they know that they've been void of that. They don't know how to well they'll try to get love from everywhere at that point. James said his haters notice he chews on one side of his mouth. <laughs> See how they, they pay attention to you just that much. Even when you think they're not paying attention to you, they'll tell you all the time, Oh, I don't watch this, I don't watch that, I don't see him, I don't see that. But they be the ones, baby, with a magnifying glass on your whole life. They can tell you about you more than you know about you, and you've been living you. For however many years you've been living you. So that's why you, you know, you're not walking and living for nobody else. But at the same time, you are walking and you're an example to somebody. It might be a hater or it might be uh, like his godfather was to him. He was a silent influence. You know, they talked about things, but he only said about 10 words a day. So I don't know how much of a conversation, but it was his actions. It was his actions that did it. So the actions of a hater, you know, <laughs> you could, you know, they watching you. So you as a person walk up, right? Walk like somebody looking at you, you know, cause especially if you have children, especially, if, you know, we always say, well, you think your kid's not listening. And then they turn around and tell you that whole conversation that you was having. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's how your kids are. <laughs> They paying attention. That's how your haters are. That's how your friends are. You think nobody's watching you, but they watching. Thank God for his godfather. That was a critical point in time in his life. Yes, it was, especially when it's somebody that you love and you don't want, you don't want to, what you, what you think is disappoint them. You don't think you, you don't want to disappoint them. So it's just like when you get that love and he didn't have to hug on him. He didn't have to say, oh, I knew, or, you know, oh, you do. He didn't have to say any of that. John, I know my godson. You don't think I know him? And he took his food and went upstairs. <laughs> that was all he needed. That was all he needed. And James went back to playing games with his with his godmama. 
I have two big friends. They were the only ones I hung with in my early 20s. I naturally liked them more because of who they were. I knew they weren't enjoying life, so I took them along for the ride. It was wild that later in life, I found out that people thought it was because I wanted to shine over them. Wow. Are you serious? See that? And that's the mindset that some people have when, when they don't understand the dynamics of a friendship. That's so stupid to me. No, you're friends with somebody not because you feel like you're better than them or you got more than them. No, you just, you're friends with somebody because you genuinely love them. I I enjoyed, true. I truly enjoyed your read tonight at work. Oh, at work. Hey, girl. <laughs> Have fun, phenomenal. Oh, I'm working on that now since December 3rd. My life has freed up and got back on track. Oh, she's talking about her channel, girl. Get your channel back, girl. So that was our read for this week. Do you have, guys have anything else that you would like to input about the book? Otherwise, I'm going to do my church announcements. So if you have not subscribed to the channel, um, why not? You listened all the way to the end. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button and hit your notification bell so you can get all my notifications when I upload or go live. Um, tomorrow night at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will be doing Who's on the Line. Y'all know that's my daily my weekly um show on Tuesdays where honey we just call the party line and some crazy folk counsel some people, you know, we doing therapy, all kind of sex therapy, this is that third. <laughs> Whatever comes about, that's you know, we just have fun. Who knows? I don't even know who I'm gonna be tomorrow. Um, but if you're on Instagram, follow me on Instagram at Instagram.com forward slash Brown09. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, prayer requests, you want to say, hey, girl, hey, you know what I'm saying? If you are an author or you know an author that would not mind us reading um, your book in our reading corner, please email me and let me know so that well, we can get the ball rolling with your consent of me actually reading your book here. And it's also promotion for you. Um, if you have, if you guys have not downloaded this book, you can download it um, on your Kindle. You can download the Kindle app on your phone, and um, it's free on the Kindle app. Or if you want a hard copy, I think it was like fourteen dollars or something. Um, what else? Okay, uh, and also if you would like to listen to the book on the go or listen to the last book that I read, which was. Um, Timothy Blaine's book, The Epiphany, it is on my podcast, and you can uh, go over and subscribe to my podcast. It is free, but if you would like to give a monthly love offering, you can also subscribe and do that as well. It's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M forward slash Brown 9 All the links will be in the description bar um, under this video. And if you can, please, uh, after this live has ended... Come back to the video. It'll be on my community wall so you can easy, easy, easily find the link. But come back to the actual video. Not under the community wall. Come back to this video. And leave a comment under the video because y'all know how YouTube do. Sometimes the chat is not there right away. But I want people to know that you're enjoying the book. So if you can come back and just leave a comment um, under this video. Good night, Shadia. Leave a comment under this video. Wait, there's a prison bell. I want to know if he needs a prison phone. I'll talk to you, girl. I can't. <laughs> yes, come back and comment. Come back and comment. It helps with the analytics of 
my channel and of the video for it to get out there because we want everybody to know about boys like me right in every other video that i put out so come back and comment that way you know get the engagement going between the arm and delight so i appreciate that if you guys don't have anything else uh then I think that's going to be it. Um, Jada, that's why you cut. Go back. Once you go back to my community wall, you can just hit the link. The video is on my community wall already. So you can hit the link and it'll bring you back to this video. So you can see the comment section up under the video. Because, yeah, it doesn't process as fast as YouTube videos used to process. And so I don't know why it takes a long time for my videos to process. I don't know. But come back. Go to the community wall and then come back here. Okay. <laughs> Got me. Got me good. But I'm going to go. And I appreciate you guys for joining me this week. Next week, we will be back here again Monday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for uh, the another read of the Almond Delights. In the Almond Delights Reading Corner of Boys Like Me, we will continue. Hopefully, you guys, we have gotten your book. Thank you to the Almond Delights that have um, purchased his books and supported our author this week. But I love you guys. And shout out to my Almond Bearers. I appreciate you guys for being here. I love you to life. I love you with the love of God. And there is what? Nothing you can do about it. I'll talk to y'all later. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Thank you all for joining another episode of Almond Delights Reading Corner. I pray that you enjoyed yourself and you're relaxing your mind, in your body, and in your spirit. Come back and join us again next week as we continue our reading. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. Be blessed and enjoy your evening.